Good evening, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, usual, Aiden. Good evening, Good evening guys. Uh, a game against West Ham, Pablo Marie making his debut in the Premier League. Lots to talk about. Yeah, you know, back to the league duty at the Emirates, and, you know, usually the game against West Ham is what we would normally call uh, formality, but, you know, Arsenal these days, even on a decent winning run in the league, it can be an unpredictable game. Uh, yeah, West Ham came into the game. Just they just won two of their last um, previous twenty-three league games against Arsenal. So you know you think that this should be a very easy game. Or you know there's no easy game in the Premier League, but one would predict that you, you could take it as a banker. But it seemed like West Ham's um, their their confidence was oozing from their their victory over Southampton, and they showed this with a in the first half of the game. You know, almost scoring. In the first few minutes, with Jared Bowen shot eating the the post, or the later did he make manage to make the save? I think he manages to get some of the fingertip to but I mean, uh, you know, it's a good point you know brought up with that whole setup out started because you know I find it also worrying. You know, this whole half time, you like we're playing for half time every time because before we can, you know, fall out or be slapped out of the stupor because it's like everybody's so pedestrian or. Well, I mean, look, sometimes we normally wake up, say, midway in, in, in the first half. But I mean, just that we are so vulnerable in that first, like, take 20, 15, 20 minutes. Because it's like we allow teams almost like to overrun us. You don't see that sort of urgency from us going forward. It's also very cautious, you know, sitting back and, and allowing that teams to come onto us. And of course, look, both sides were like going kind of cautious to it. But that being said, West Ham did look the way, way better side in the first. 20 minutes, 25 minutes even. Yeah, the Arsenal reminded me of the Una Emre Arsenal in the in the first, you know, the opening encounter of the first half by playing very cautious game of football, passing the ball in the middle and the back um, of the field. Like, no, not playing in oppositions half, trying to do damage at all. So, for me, it was a very cautious start. And like you mentioned, you know, against a better side, we could have been punished very early on in the game. And I that... You know, Antonio, that um, Michael Antonio, he ended up failing to to find Halle because I mean that in the, that was I think the break in the 12th minute where they hit Arsenal on the counter, where Arsenal was scored so high up the field. I think it was down to David Luiz to somehow try to to because uh, I think uh, they uh, Antonio slipped past Pablo Marie and then of course it was just down to David Luiz versus Halle and. Um, Antonio, but I mean, Antonio kind of lost his nerve, and I think Haller also lost his nerve, because I think instead of uh, almost like holding his run somewhat, he ended up just bursting through the middle, and I think the ball ended up just going past him behind, or behind him, sorry, and he ended up missing that chance, which was almost like a real danger, you know, one uh, already a bigger alarm bell, and then of course, Ozil then finally manages to force, I think, 14th minute uh, where 70 fans to now work when Ogbonna had to charge down one of his shots. I think Arsenal in this game seemed to, in the first half, kind of lack a lot of ideas. And it was almost like they were dependent very much on the dribbling skills of Pepe and Saka, you know, to try to make something happen. Because there just wasn't any service to Nketiah at all, I felt. And, you know, Aubameyang was very quiet as well. We just don't seem to be... I know we, 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 we beat Newcastle convincingly at the Emirates, but it's just like Arsenal just, they're getting the job done, but they're not playing that 
football that we want 100% here. I'm not sure if you're in agreement with what I'm saying here. Yeah, because, I mean, everything is, you know, it feels like it's on a knife edge because one minute you think you, you or you say, look on paper and you think, okay, this game could be won or whatever. And then you, what you see on the field is like a total different like, contrast to the whole thing, you know, the way you now played it out in your head. And then, of course, look, West Ham gave also as good as they got. We're now also just randomly picking and choosing when to attack us then. Just when, like, I think it was 27 minutes when Arsenal started now kind of bossing things, like, you know, playing a bit more of a position game and that. But then, that being said, as we now started closing in on half time, when you thought, okay, things started to look uh, up for Arsenal, in the 42nd minute, then, of course, Arsenal lose total focus when they, from a West Ham corner, everybody, it's like, it was like total confusion. It was like this, you, you've plonked uh, 10 strangers into the penalty box to defend a corner. And not one of them know what the other is doing. And I mean, the ball ends up falling. I don't know how it ends up also bumbling and fumbling towards Antonio. He ends up almost like losing his bearings also. Spins about two yards out and he smashes a shot past Leno. Uh, uh, sorry, past the outside of the post. But I mean, again, a warning sign. We could have even gone into halftime 1-0 down. As our usual selves, we like giving goals away near the end. You know, we're losing focus, but... It seems like set pieces are our Achilles heel, and it's, I know Ateta even knows it, but what is being done to address it? I mean, uh, there's only so much you can eventually take. I know Ateta is slowly starting to, you know, you can't be too critical on him, but there are times we're thinking, you know, the same errors are happening, you know, what's going on? Why aren't we starting first halves better? So you got to wonder what, what's being said and what's being done by, with Ateta. Yeah, I mean, my take, like, this is what I'd like to elaborate on, on us now, uh, talking about the defense of it. I honestly, like, my mindset is actually going more down the line of, in the new season, uh, you know, get rid of people like Socrates, get rid of people like David Luiz, uh, Mustafa even, and actually bring some people in, like, maybe two or three guys that can organize the defense. Because we are... You know, we've been riding our luck in these games. Everybody's always saying, yeah, we're on this sort of run and that sort of... And it's more like you think to yourself, at, the, at one point that luck is going to run out and it's going to end either in some sort of humiliation or, you know, something really bad, even for the coach, the way the whole thing is like falling apart. Because that game also with Everton, just think of that, that amount of chances that their forwards or the attacking midfielders were just missing just through either miscalculation or... You know, just uh, kind of we us as Arsenal riding our luck with with uh, you know legs defending, but also not being punished for it. It's almost like you know when when we were winning with Emre at one stage, you you kind of we weren't setting the world alight, and initially we were like, oh, you're winning ugly, you're winning ugly, but you can only win ugly for so long before that perform that performances need to come, you need to be able to you know be able to blow the team off the park and. The football needs to be improved. Like, yes, we have improved, but now it's starting to become the point where we're a bit stagnant. We're getting the results. So, you know, we can't complain. Previously with Arteta, we were playing good, but we were drawing. We're turning it into three points. I guess now we can maybe try to move it on to a better performance and getting the three points. Because, I mean, they never look comfortable holding any sort of lead. Because no, if you just think of... of um. Just uh, like just say a random fixture you can like think out of it. 
where we've won by, say, a, a single goal or something, the amount of chances that happen even after mm-hmm. the fact of, of going into that lead, it, it's like nerve-wracking. Because, I mean, I, at times, my stomach feels like it's almost like in knots on it because <laughs> every time a corner comes in, you know either, is this the one where Leno's going to come out for the, to, to collect the ball and miss it completely? Or is, you know, one of our guys now not going to pick up anybody and somebody just darts in with a free header again? It comes down, I think, to leadership as well. You know, we saw it against Olympiacos. You go 2-1 two, two up on aggregate in a very nail-biting game. Mm. And the players, I think, got overwhelmed and too emotional. And that video I saw on Instagram of James Milner when he was talking to the guys um, before a Premier League game, it's, it's something that Arsenal don't have in the team. They don't have a James Milner-type player or someone that... Just has a cool, calm, collected, experienced head in the team that can actually give proper talks. Because at the moment, there isn't that at Arsenal. It's more fun games, you know, buddy-buddy a lot of the time. There isn't that, you know, I'm looking up to you, I'm going to listen to what you say, and we're going to move on from there. I mean, I don't know if you also remember when we used to watch, when you were still also a kid with, uh, with Vieira, when we used to watch him play. You could actually sometimes hear, when, especially when, when Vieira took over the captaincy, you could actually hear when the, the, the guys are warming up around him and he's already fire, firing them up there. And for me, it's not like you, you got already, you're on the way to your three points already when you just hear that sort of, <coughs> excuse me, that sort of team talk or inspiration. Yeah, we're just lacking that leadership in Arsenal. And, you know, once again, going at halftime, shaky. I don't know if I did uh, watch his words at halftime. I would love to know because slowly, you know, when they come out, um, out the second half, they, they, they look uh, slightly more assured and confident team. No, that's why I just don't understand why they don't come out with that form to start the game with. And then you like, uh, you know, you, you, you almost like bury the team or something like that in the first half. And then you just, you know, control the game, use the, the second half more for like a workman, a workman-like or control performance. But like, you know, it's, it's easy to say it like that, but you know, I think that now, you know, Still trying to to get these combinations and things going, and people not being 100% fit. So, you know, you, you wonder is is it still him trying to find his best combinations? I don't know if he knows what his best team is yet. Yeah, I mean, then of course, with Arsenal already on the up, Eden Ketia enforced Fabianski into a save. I mean, it was a good save, and then 58 minute Leno then also had to pull off some sort of reaction save to Antonio because. It was again a game being played at at basketball level because yes, was, yes, yes, you yes. have a shot, we have a shot, you have a shot, we have a shot. It, it, it needs to come to an end because, like you said, you have a shot, we have a shot. But you saw what Man City did to us at the Emirates Stadium, you know, when we started off with Martinelli almost scoring against Edison, and then they had a shot and scored. And it's like if if teams are more clinical against Arsenal, you can have a problem where you like three 0 down very early or two 0 down very early on in the game. Uh, on the hour mark, Eden Ketian came off for Lacazette because I think something also was needed into the team because I think there were the, of course, with the second half going, it also looked like Eden Ketian was almost like starting to drift out of the game, not being active much, almost like having to come to central midfield to get the ball or to get any sort of ball. So I think Arsenal, of course, needed somebody up there who had the strength to just somehow hold the ball up and I think Lacazette at the moment the sort of form he was on he wasn't brought in then of course 66 minutes 
penalty shot for Arsenal. I mean, I was quite doubtful about it because it looked almost like both were pulling each other with Diop and, like I said, getting into a tangle from out of the box already. And I think just by the time the ref started looking at, at the incident, the two of them then just kind of fell over into the penalty box. But I mean, I wouldn't have given a penalty for that. That being said, immediately a minute after that, Bowen again up the other end, having, like, forcing uh, Leno into a save. Oh, yeah. I, I saw a, a picture on, on Instagram, slightly moving off topic, just a little, but with Leno and Aubameyang and that basically saying Arsenal squad for 2019-2020 season. But like, like you said, Leno has literally been also, you know, as much as he makes mistakes, like you said, he was pulling off some really good saves, putting his body on the line for Arsenal. And, you know, West Ham, like you said, could have killed us off. I found that Bowen guy had a really good game as well against us. Yeah, because, I mean, I was actually, I was really impressed. I mean, I never took much note of him. Because I, I, I first thought he's somehow related to that Bowen when we used to watch football. The, I mean, in our, what, or my younger days. <laughs> used to play for Norwich. I, mean, I don't know if it's any sort of relation. But, I mean, for me, this guy, he's a real talent. I mean, it's almost like he's a, quite a batch of youngsters or, that, that are coming now that are really prospering. But almost like they, they're prospering, but they're also at the wrong club at this time. Yes. If you look at Cantwell, you look at uh, this, uh, what's his name now, Bowen again, and, and people like Godfrey at Norwich or that uh, uh, Aaron, what's it, Aaron's uh, at Norwich? Yes, that, that, yes, 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 yes. These are all players that, or even that left back of Norwich also, impressive players. I think they'll probably be snapped up once Norwich gets um, relegated. You know, no one to be um, bad news to Norwich, but I do feel that. They're probably going to end up going down this season. I mean, they, they've had some good results. I mean, beating City, but I don't see them really saving themselves. Yeah, I don't want to now be controversial, but now, with that substitution in the sec- uh, 67th minute when Pepe came off for Nelson, for me, it was almost like a weight off my shoulders because I was getting so worked up constantly <laughs> Pepe with this. Like, I don't know how many times he was over-dribbling himself or... You know, when, when people are doing overlap runs, look, you've played football also. You know, if you're going to do that overlap run, that ball's going to have to come. And then you would just hold it on for a few seconds longer because you want to now sidestep one or two more people or step over one or two more people. And then by the time you release the ball, the guy is caught offside. And I'm thinking, either, why are you doing this? Like, you're just through that is also slowing up the, the whole tempo, you know, the game. If you, because look, I'm somebody from. Like whether it's the Wenger era or some of, those, some of the other football teams that I'll end up watching. And that. I enjoy football that's that quick sleep passing. That is also like my saying. Because, you know, you're actually hurting a team more by doing that than, you know, doing the slow stuff or this ex, you know, the extra touches. Because that, that, that team just uses that extra few seconds to catch their breath, to do this, to do that, to get in position again. If you're playing out deeper or whatever, deeper role. So get the ball on, like, you know, give it, uh, give him little to no time to even catch a breath. But, you know, like, for me, that was so infuriating. And for me, it was almost like a breath of fresh air with Reese Nelson came on because he was doing everything first time. Everything was first time. And I, I don't know which commentator you had, but there wasn't even a commentator that was making a remark about Arteta saying something about just keep it simple. And he was yes. kept on overcomplicating things. It's been it's been his problem at Arsenal. It's like he's almost trying to 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 um, 
always motivated his price tag or like, you know, trying to justify his price tag by trying to do amazing things all the time. But I mean, if you keep it simple, pass the ball, run into space, get the ball. I mean, he, he is lightning, he's lightning quick. So he doesn't have to hold on to the ball, pass the ball, go into space. And like you said, Reese Nelson, especially after his Portsmouth performance, you know, I was excited to see him on the field and it made me feel like something could actually happen. Yeah, this one for me, it, it felt, I mean, of course, you cannot go into the, the other parts of the game, but for me, it actually felt like you could see that it's sort of life being blown into this game again when he came on. No, no, 100%. It's, it's like he gave it extra bit of legs. And like you said, the tempo started quickening up. Arsenal started finding gaps and finding spaces because Nelson was playing you know, quicker one-two instead of holding the ball, cutting back and, and like... Think of Nelson, he tried yeah. to put the ball in first time as well. Because, I mean, I was just thinking, if, if Pepe is always complicating himself by doing that, then why don't just, you know, play him out on the left and let him rather whip in crosses? Because, I mean, look, he, delivery-wise, Pepe is damn good. I mean, he's been pinging balls on almost like a, a six-pence or ten-pence or whatever, as I say. He's he's picking out people, like, with, that, uh, with his crosses. So, uh, rather do that than... Constantly, because look, everybody knows he wants to come in on the left foot to shoot yes. more often than not. So just try to switch things up somehow to make him a bit more unpredictable. So I I, I didn't know where this goal was going to come from. To be honest, at, at one point this game looked for me like it was heading for a stalemate, and yeah. you know, Abamyang didn't look like Abamyang. Uzel wasn't playing those eye of the needle passes. I mean, there was one time where Uzel could have actually taken a shot on. But he decided to lay it off. I didn't, I couldn't remember to which play he decided to lay it off. Oh. But he should shoot more as well. I mean, if at the edge of the box like that, put the, your foot through the ball. You never know where it can go. But listen, this is what I mean with, with also that you know taking responsibility for the team because as a senior player, you're expecting that guy to have a pop at goal because you know you you throw almost like everything as well as the kitchen sink at at West Ham. So do something to get you know that that breakthrough because. All this, all that kind of wanting to walk the ball into the net also don't pay off at times. Yeah, and you get caught in position and so slowly they turn you over and you're back on the counter-attack. But, you know, kudos to Lacazette trying to take responsibility, taking that shot, ball deflecting over, measured Ozil, nodding the ball nicely to Lacazette who smashes the ball home. But, you know, offside given. Oh, yeah, I think you meant Obama. I think you said... Oh, sorry, sorry. I, I meant the bombing, taking a shot, Ozil nodding the ball to Lacazette, making a very good choice in doing that, and Lacazette firing the ball into the net, but offside, and you no know, VAR brought into the game once again. I mean, for me, at, at one point, when Aubameyang hit that, it reminded me of that, that <laughs> cricket days when you watch that crazy leg spin, because I mean, that ball, when he smashed into the ground, and I think it, it flicked off somebody, that <laughs> ball took like a crazy, like, you, you could actually see the ball loop in a crazy direction in the air. But, I mean, as you said, it perfectly finds Ozil. And the very thing that we kind of criticizing them for <laughs> doing that. So, it's like a, literally walking the ball into the net. But, I mean, they are in double check and the goal was given. But that being said, I mean, I think also with the naked eye, you could also see that was a legal goal. Because the the... When they started coming with the famous yellow line, where they're now going even extra intricate, that one for me wasn't necessary because it wasn't that bad. I mean, I've seen Liverpool getting, uh, you know, even easier or uh, 
the decisions we had, where they don't even do this extra checking and all that stuff, unless you play against them, then they do that extra stuff. But that being said, a goal for Arsenal, and now something that needs to hold on to, or so we think. Oh, shake, very shakily holding on to. I think after that, my nerves were even worse. Open their wide, nil, nil, because it's like, Arsenal, we don't know whether they are going to try to hold out for one nil or they're going to try to push for a second. So they got caught in two minds and West Ham fed of that. And I mean, there was a, a chance in the 85th minute where um, the young right-back, uh, Jeremy Nkakia, he whips in the cross. And I'm thinking, OK, we can somehow deal with it since they have been dealing with whatever has been flung in the box. Uh, Hala, of course, out jumps both of them. And I mean, he manages just to get the headers, but straight down the throat of Leno. And I'm thinking, I need a breath or something for my heart. <laughs> It just felt like the, the time, like looking at the clock after the goal, it felt like time was going, like, you know, extremely slow. We were giving away free kicks. We were, you know, living on the edge. Mikhail Antonio was trying to throw his long throws as well. It was just literally nail-biting stuff till the very end. And, like, we have Leno to thank, actually, for the for the points. You know, I swear sometimes when I watch games like this, where it's, like, becomes games like nail-biters <laughs> It is like my part of my eye starts just going <laughs> once I just to block the clock out because I don't want to see it. Because every time as you see it, it's like that. Like normally when you watch a game, you think, wow, the time flew by. When you're holding out in a game like this, it's like that clock goes like tick, tick, like that. And jeez, can't you go any faster? But also, you know, got to three points, but much better performances are needed. I mean, I know we could possibly, and you know, the dream keeps fading away week by week, get into that champ, elusive Champions League spot somehow, but I just don't feel like we're good enough at the moment. You know, you look at our team, and if they put us in Europe, I do feel that, you know, after seeing the likes of Spurs and and even Liverpool and Atletico getting getting knocked out, you've got to wonder, like, you know, how far do Arsenal need to go to improve, you know? Before they, you can actually look at them and say, okay, we are a Champions League side again. I mean, so, like one article I actually read, I think the middle of, or could be even last week or two weeks ago. I forgot to mention it to you. But they were actually saying with Arsenal now, look at financial records came out like from all the clubs and that. And Arsenal have taken also a massive hit now, you know, being eliminated also from the Europa League, etc. And they were actually saying, it's come to a point, yes, we are going to probably now sell players to buy and, and I think Arteta also knows where we need strengthening our force and, and, and we're also probably going to make you know good profits on quite a few of these players that we do probably plan to sell. But that being said, it's going to also come down to the owner also to you know slip in nothing maybe a bit extra than they normally would. Because look, they're normally just using the money that the club is generating from, you know, various profits and, and the way they now, you know, raise funds at the club. But I think it's going to also come down to the owner to maybe think, maybe for one or so season, I'm going to actually take something out of my pocket and, you know, put it in the kitty for the team. Because I, I, I think even if we can, say, Euro, get a Europa League spot, I mean, I, I could personally, as an Arsenal fan, I, could, I would also go without for the season because then you can, you know, have a full run at, at uh, the domestic cups plus the the Premier League, but um, I actually would like to see us, you know, whether the manager now finally gets what he wants, you know, everything that he wants. Because I think to to do this sort of rebuild, you're gonna have to almost like 
you know, sp- uh, like split up quite a few of these. Like in the, if you look at the team where the flaws are in the squad, and I mean we've seen it also firsthand. I mean as much as as say Jacques has been doing well under Teta, I still think we need somebody that's more, you know, pacey, a more fluid type of midfielder. Like just like off the top of my head, when I look at that uh, uh, Didi at Leicester, yeah, I look at at. Um, even something like Fabinho, Fabinho looked like a beanpole at times. But I mean, that guy can move. I mean, when you look, he's helping out to the edge of the box. When you look again, he's uh, protecting the defense and that, which makes, of course, Van Dijk's job even look better. And 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 when when uh, Allison was playing, makes his job also look even better. And you, it's like you don't pick up these these guys' performances. You know, these that are already the ones that are the grafters and rolling up their sleeves. And I think that is what we need because at times. The, if you think of what Jaka was also doing in the first part of that first half, we was trying these expensive passes, which was getting into trouble over and over and over, and got, it kept on getting intercepted. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, not, as much as as a person want to, you root for all these players as part of your club, but I mean, you are almost like bringing that sort of when the crowd starts getting on your back when you do stuff like that. Yeah, those crowds, little oh, when yeah. the guy has to eat the. To play the expansive pass or slower and move down by a mishit pass. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I think those um, positions still need to be ironed out and defenses to be more stable before, you know, we can go back to the top echelons of European football. Yeah. So, of course, the midweek game was cancelled, Man City versus Arsenal. Um, due to, of course, some Arsenal players and staff that have uh, come into contact with the Olympiacos owner. Evangelos Marinakis, who allegedly has been infected with the coronavirus. So, as it stands, the match was cancelled with no scheduled date plan. Uh, that's, that sucks. You know, Olympiacos put us out of the Europa League and they, they, they oh no, I did almost give us the players coronavirus as well. So, you know, almost a bit of a double whammy for Arsenal at that moment. Yeah. So, enough of that. We switch our attention now to the weekend's game, which is, as it stands, supposedly still going to go through. In front of, I think, I don't think it's going to be even behind closed doors. I think it's actually going to be a attended match by fans. So, of course, Arsenal winless in four away games versus Brighton. One draw, three losses against the team that's 15 currently in the league. Yeah, apparently um, Brighton haven't, haven't won, they haven't won the game now. In nine matches, so they, they did um, eke out a draw against the high flying wolves. So I, I do think you know Arsenal deserve revenge against Brighton because it just seems like whenever we come to the Amex Arena, like we, we freeze up and they always get the better of us. Mm. And I mean, look, they care players, David Proper, and then of course, this, this guy I find probably the most awkward left back I've seen in football currently. Dan Byrne, who's, I think he's, he's probably over six foot something. But I mean, to see somebody of that height, you normally think as a centre-back. But I mean, he's like a, like a wing-back at times. And I mean, he's got pace on him. He showed at the Emirates that, I mean, he had the whole right side, you know, in six, at six and sevens when he was bursting down the flank. And, and, and Brighton, they play a very cautious game. So I do worry a bit with Arsenal, you know, because Brighton's not going to come out and attack us. Are we going to have the impetus and actual like tactical knowledge to be able to break through that uh, sturdy defence? 
And I mean, look, was in the goals department that Neil Mopai used like on eight goals already in the Premier League. So, you know, that probably will be the danger, man. I mean, of course, not pro- prolific uh, goal scoring record, but I mean, still a danger whenever we play them. Especially for, you know, Brighton, they're not always amongst the goals. So a guy getting eight goals is quite, yeah. quite a bit. So it's not going to be a very easy game, especially since we're not, you know, too good away at, at Brighton's home ground. So... I do hope Arsenal can step up, give a better performance and maybe take that three points for us. Yeah. So we switch our attention now to talking points, part of the podcast. Um, I don't know if you or the listeners have now also heard that the ANC Maitland Niles, that whole story has now finally come out. And it's all down to the player being constantly late at training and also kind of almost like being... uh, What's the word now? Because, I mean, he's kind of being a difficult customer to do like, with, with, with regards to staff because from what the story that they have been floating around was he's when he's told, okay, you're going to play right back, he's kind of forcing the issue that he needs to be playing in midfield. And look, they know, and I mean, they see firsthand what they think he, you know, is best for him as a player. And I think, like, you know, him as a right back is, you know, the best option. But I mean, since he's now kicked up all fuss in that sense, You've seen Arsenal now, of course, we're not you know, quite fans of, of that whole position change, but that's why Socrates has been now slotted in as, as a right-back at the moment. You know, it's a, it's a very like a pity that Maiden-Niles is, is kick, um, kicking up a fuss like that. I mean, you look at Saka, yeah, slightly younger, but he's willing to do what he has to do for the team. Soccer is a team sport, and I'm sure many of us out there you know, even you play amateur football, when the coach asks you, you know, they're going to do, do a job at this position, you, you help it for the good of the team. And, you know, it's to his detriment. And at the moment, I don't think he, he has an awareness on the ball to be playing in the central midfield. So if, if he wants to continuously want a position, where is he going to actually fit in? It's like he's going to have to go to another club to get that position. And I mean, I think we are dealing the way he kind of chuckle. It's like, um, you know how serious is Socrates, right? I mean, you've seen like on TV, like because they, they like teasing him as well because of that seriousness. And I think Arteta was saying also when they mentioned to him about that playing right back, he kicked up a strop and whatever. But I mean, at the end of the day, he's he, he, like you know he's doing a job and he he knows like you know I'm a professional, I can kick up a fuss and whatever. But I'm still gonna play or I have to play at right back and I'm not gonna you know moan about it then. But it kind of almost takes that threat away of. Of Pepe because Pepe because he comes inside, you no, know, he kind of brings space for a wing back to make those darting runs for him to play the ball. But you know, Socrates is not going to give you that option as a right back. Yeah, I think that is where Arsenal should also, you know, really have a long hard look at, at, at the, what we have actually at right back now, and what we probably would need in the future because, you know, I'm. Summer, you know, for me it's tough to also say this, but until Bellerin can get some sort of pace, there is actually at the moment nothing he's offering because um, if you think of it before the, the knee injury he had, he, his pace was like the asset to us as a team because up till then he couldn't, you know, cross decent balls and stuff. Sometimes he could play a nice pass, like a flat pass and stuff like that. But when you're coming, coming in or bursting down the flank as a right back, and you expect, okay, this ball is going to you know, be floated around the penalty spot, penalty spot of the uh, six-yard box. That is where your target may not going to be. 
and he would either smash it against somebody that's, that's you know, the first man, or he'd ball totally over to the other side of the field. So now that he's not come back, he's lost now that edge of that speed. And now, of course, you actually wonder what does he then offer to the team? But apparently, uh, they came out and said he's playing with a, a bit of an injury. I read an article on the, I think it was the Daily Mirror, that said that he, he's been playing with a bit of a niggle, or he has a niggle. No, I mean, look, so, I, I fully understand, like, with, with regards to, you know, getting yourself back to, you know, that sort of tempo again. But then rather, you know, completely heal up and whatever, and then come back and, oh, you know, use that time in between while you, you know, do this whole process to get yourself fit and, and, and sharp again. Because the same can be said with, with Rob Holding. I mean, as much as I like, I mean, I do like him as a player, but you can see that, that he looks kind of, Tentative now since that knee injury when he came back. Like, you, you don't see him, like, you know, really going into tackles these days and, and, and stuff like that. So, you, you, you almost like back off people more than try to attack. I guess, psychologically, as well, these injuries are quite damaging to you as a player. That's why kudos, you know, to Robert Perez for coming back the way he did still after his injury back, I think it was 2002. Yeah. Um, I have something I want to, you know, something I want to raise or, or, or like, you know, maybe your opinion of it. Yeah. With Eden Ketia playing up front, you know, you have Martinelli who you could bring on the left-hand side and slot Aubameyang up front. You know, why isn't the likes of Arteta doing that? Instead of, you can see Ketia does work, but not all the time. I, I think Aubameyang would be more deadly up front with the likes of a Martinelli and then a Pepe out wide even or Nelson. Would that would wouldn't that be, strike more fear into you as a as a um, as a defense than playing with Nketiah? Do you agree I, with that? I, I, yeah, I fully agree with it because I'm just thinking what or where you saw the best of Aubameyang, whether it's now at us or at Dortmund, and it's almost like when he does he does spearhead the attack, or <clears throat> you play him in the sort of four four two where he plays alongside uh, Lacazette. But that being said. Um, I would actually, you know, have him maybe speared and then you maybe play, say, like, is it off him somewhat and play a, a Martinelli also somewhere in that in the mix? Because I just think <clears throat> with with regards to Pepe, I think he needs also maybe some time out of the, of, almost like the way we said that time with like, is it where he's just, you know, kind of taken out of the firing line. But he can also assist his own game because... I think Martinelli, you're also going to end up with a frustrated player because you do know when he comes on, he's giving his all. It's not like he's drifting in and out. He does try. And I think that is what, what we Arteta needs to somehow change his thing or mindset with regards to some of the players. Yeah, and one wonders, you know, what's the reasoning for him not starting Martinelli? Because it's not like Martinelli's been having bad games as well. So Yeah, and I mean, he looks like somebody also that, you know, takes criticism the same way he takes compliments and also bills from that because I mean he does look like somebody that you know works his socks off I mean when you see even in training or you watch at times even when, when Emery was there lost causes he was you know throwing his all in on the line there. Yeah, I, I just think you know Martinelli should come in especially against Brighton and you know maybe make your attack a bit more pacey and more movement since Brighton's a very compact team so yeah, I, I just that's just my thoughts on that matter. Yeah, because I just think if you think look, look um, that dunk, Lewis dunk, he's quite a solid 
defender need only marshals that, that that defensive line quite high. So I'm just thinking if you can start pulling those type of players out of position, like you know, with a, a more not only a, a possession game, but also we start piercing little holes or dinking little balls over just to somehow catch them up. Because look, they're not the most mobile, but that being said, they are defenders. I, th- I mean, I'm not sure if if Duffy gets a nod these days, but I mean, Dunk is almost like the the regular first team at the moment. But I mean, they do marshal the defense damn well as a unit. That's why you could see how people are going to come in for for these defenders of Brighton. You know, they have now bad bad spells in it. But I mean, the Dunk and Duffy, they are probably two of the most in demand centre backs at the moment. Hopefully, we can go shopping there in summer. Yeah. So with that, we're going to end of the podcast. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Take care, guys. Bye. Let's go, guys, for that three points. <laughs>